conservative? You bet. Controversial? Right again. It's time to squabble on the Jim Benson Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Jim Benson Show. Conservative talk radio covering the issues that concern you here on the BBS radio network. Today, let's start by reviewing the Independence Day Parade mass shooter in Highland Park, Illinois, wherein the shooter, a bizarre-looking effeminate rapper with a YouTube channel named Robert Bobby Cremo III, 21, while dressed as a woman, fired more than 70 rounds at parade participants and onlookers with an AR-15-type rifle he legally purchased. After committing this atrocity, Cremo, still in his disguise, fled the scene. He later took off in his mother's car, but was eventually apprehended by police and confessed to his crimes, which he had reportedly carefully planned for some time. Cremo also related that he was planning to travel to, I believe it was Wisconsin, to commit another mass shooting. Now, wasn't it convenient for the hate-filled, hysterical leftists who dominate in the mainstream media for this atrocity to occur on a national holiday and right after the U.S. Supreme Court threw out laws in several states banning large-capacity magazines and firearms like the one Cremo used? One of those laws, passed by initiative and referendum in California, required law-abiding owners of high-capacity magazines to turn them high-capacity magazines to turn them into authorities confiscation, or convert them to a hold a maximum of only 10 rounds, since one of the latest canards of the left is that no one, save military or law enforcement, ever needs to have a firearm magazine that holds more than 10 rounds. Tell that to the Korean business owners defending their establishments from groups of armed criminals during the Rodney King verdict riots in Los Angeles or to others defending their businesses and or homes during any number of other disaster situations across the country, such as the aftermath of severe storms, extended power outages, wildfires, etc. Given that we saw on, (coughs) I believe it was CNN, (coughs) more than 350,000 votes cast for the recall of, for the recall of California Governor Gavin Newsom suddenly disappear from the pro-recall vote column during the recall election last year, I wouldn't be at all surprised if the referendum passing the draconian draconian California magazine confiscation law was also rigged. Obviously, people like Cremo should not have been allowed to purchase and use in the commission of a crime a powerful firearm and magazine he legally obtained, magazines he legally obtained. But as you'll hear Alex Jones relate, Illinois already has – Illinois already has red flag laws and nothing was done about Cremo, despite his violent video and artwork posted on his social his videos and posted on his social media and run-ins with the police wherein, wherein Cremo reportedly tried to commit suicide and on another occasion threatened to kill family members. Nothing was done to stop the Uvalde, Texas shooter from purchasing high-powered firearms, despite for some time prior him threatening on social media to rape and murder females he met there or met online, and shoot up schools. The Buffalo, New York shooter who gunned down so many people in the grocery store there also threatened to shoot up schools, but again, nothing was done. And just a few days ago, 
Former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was assassinated in that country by a man with a homemade firearm. We should do all we can to stop people like this from committing these killings, but the real reason behind the gun control laws is to eventually disarm, totally disarm the law-abiding population and thus make them easier to control and enslave. Since I and many millions of other Americans and people around the world are convinced the 2020 election, as well as those before and after, have been rigged to select radical leftists and rhino candidates, that is, Republican in name only, <clears throat> for public office, it's not hard to imagine that mass shooters like this brainwashed, simple-minded leftist Cremo could have been <clears throat> encouraged through some form of mind control, or at least some kind of suggestion, to commit his heinous act. Such acts are always used by the left to influence public opinion. I can't say with certainty that there were specific people putting Cremo up to his crime, but it is entirely possible that he was, subtly or otherwise, influenced to do what he did by the barrage of hatred toward conservatives and others on the political right. And remember, for many on the left, following the law only matters if it supports their causes. Otherwise, they could care less about the rule of law. But regardless, there are certain signs, as you will shortly hear, that point to some kind of mind control behind Cremo's actions. He reportedly was involved in the occult, that is devil worship, left-wing politics, and and violent video games. An aspiring rapper going by the name Awake, Cremo had made and posted more than two dozen videos on his YouTube channel since taken down, which reportedly were filled with violent imagery, including his own drawings, portraying school and other shootings and death. Cremo was also said to have been a heavy user of very strong marijuana. Of course, (laughs) there are millions of people done that. I I used marijuana for many years, long since gave it up. But um, nevertheless, this could have had some influence as well on what he did. Though the leftist media has tried to claim Cremo was a Trump supporter, that's absurd, <clears throat> although sure you can have some deranged Trump supporter or some person who is set up to be a Trump supporter and then commits these acts, but <clears throat> nevertheless, uh, this is not true in his case. Uh, there is a photo of him posing with a Trump flag worn as a cape, obviously mocking Trump supporters, and another photo of him, uh, Trump, some kind of Trump uh, behind some Trump supporters at some kind of political event, dressed in another one of his costumes. <clears throat> Here's one observer's analysis of Cremo's social media postings that clearly show he is a supporter of Joe Biden, COVID vaccinations, and other leftist and left-leaning people and institutions. This is posted. This was posted with an article on Cremo July 5th on redvoicemedia.com. Play sound by one, please. So if you go to... This Awake the Rapper's Twitter account, he has stuff like this. Then if you also go to who he's following, first of all, Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. He was one of the major players in COVID. And then he liked, let's see, Bill Gates, BBC World News, Kamala Harris, the CDC, Washington Post. This is who we followed. The World Health Organization, Barack Obama, New York Times, CNN. So, you know, FBI, Joe Biden, President Biden. So this guy's clearly a left winger. And then, like I said, if you go to his uh, likes and scroll down, you'll see that one. So here's him liking Washington Post articles. 
And then a CNN article about the January 6th insurrection. And then, uh, you know, New York Times. And what is this New York Times one says? Last month was the warmest June ever recorded in North America. So he's like in a climate change post from the New York Times. And then if you come down here, he goes on a total CDC vaccination kick. You know, get a COVID-19 vaccine so you and your loved ones stay safe. So he's a hardcore vaxxer. And they're going to try, the people were trying to say that he's a Trump supporter. There's no way this guy is a Trump supporter. He has one picture of himself laughing with a Trump flag on as a cape, which is more than likely him making fun of that. This is This is basically their one thing that they're going with. Which he's clearly goofing. It says spam right on it. But man, if you go to his followers and his likes, he is clearly a hardcore liberal. Here's Alex Jones on his radio and television show July 5, discussing what he learned about Cremo. After watching all 26 of the videos Cremo made and posted on his YouTube channel before they were taken down. <clears throat> Play sound by two, please. It is Tuesday, July 5th, 2022. I'm your host, Alex Jones. In the command seat in the ATX. Stay with us. Infowars.com. Tomorrow's news. Today, today, today. Oh, Oh, my God. got This is the shooting in Ireland. I just recorded it. I just recorded it. Illinois on July 4th. I didn't record that. I can't believe I And a man fitting the almost identical description as all the other mass shooters has now been caught by the police today after a chase. This is the world we live in, ladies and gentlemen. Fifty. Three dead people last week in a tractor trailer outside San Antonio, locked in there to die by the human smugglers because their families hadn't paid the second half of the money. That will just go away in the wash. No one's going to blame 18 wheelers. No one's going to blame tractor trailers that could be used as cages to kill people in the heat. They're used every week by the coyotes, by the human smugglers to do that. You wouldn't blame the tractor trailer. You wouldn't blame the 18-wheeler, you wouldn't blame the machine. You'd blame the psychotic evil of someone that would do something like that. In fact, I saw a headline from the U.N. itself uh, yesterday. I forgot to send it to the crew. Uh, I'm going to ask the crew to grab it. U.N. agency lists Texas-Mexico border as the most dangerous land crossing in the world. And they give us statistics. In fact, it's twice as dangerous as the next most dangerous border crossing, and that's into Arizona, and it goes on from there. Tens of thousands dead a year on both sides, not even a radar blip, but we have less than 150 people killed in mass shootings a year, still way too many. We just had six killed in Illinois, 21 killed in Uvalde, and the media will hype the hell out of it, and there will be more copycats, mentally ill, highly suggestible individuals on psychotropics. The individual who is reportedly the shooter, Bobby Cremo, 
had a YouTube channel. It was taken down last night. I watched all 26 videos on it yesterday. You talk about depressing and scary. I sent links to it to my producers. By the time they got here at 7 a.m. this morning, they'd all been deleted, but they were able to find some of them. But let me tell you what's on them. Extremely haunting. I watched every one of them. He did animations about mass shooting at schools, complete with crying and screaming and blood. He made music videos about the same thing. He even got into the school that he went to years ago and shot a music video inside of it and later dressed up like paramilitary with a military helmet and rifle and described what he was going to do. They have red flag laws already in place in Illinois. And just like Uvalde and just like Colorado with Harrison Kleibold and Columbine and just like Sandy Hook, New Haven, Connecticut, and just like every single one of them, it's an incel into the occult, obsessed with shoot 'em up games, who said in the music videos that he was under mind control and just wanted to sleep and was under someone else's control and that he didn't want to do what he was going to do, but that he had to. Even more dramatic, even more open than the shooter in Florida at Parkland a few years ago, who was called in the school, the school shooter, and who was kicked out of school for stealing and making threats when he rode his bicycle to the school and shot the people inside. And again, the police stood down. The police did not stand down in Illinois yesterday. They charged him and they did not stand down with the shooter in Philadelphia at a July 4th event. And two of the officers were shot, but they were able to stop him. So good for the police in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and good for the police in Highland Park, Illinois. They did not act in disgraceful, disgusting fashion like the police in Florida and Texas. But if I had to create an image of a demonic slave, an entity, a human totally taken over by evil, Bobby Cremio would be it. Now, we have at least five of the videos we were able to find. I watched over over 20 of them last night, some repeatedly. And I should have called crew and had them download them then, but it was 4th of July, and it was 8 o'clock at night by the time I started watching them. It was past 10 before I'd finished. And they did get some of the bad ones, but some of them they did not get. I'm sure somebody will dig them up, but I really don't want to subject you to this. I mean, very haunting. Some of the music's actually pretty pretty good beats, but you hear total depression and total desperateness um, in this. So this is why we have guns, is because with the collapse of civilization and the satanic takeover that's happening and the economic collapse that's accelerating and inflation, and when the EBT cards still get money put on them, but it won't buy what people need to live, you're going to see, as Klaus Schwab says, a much angrier world, which they're designing to bring down civilization. They're attacking the energy. They're attacking the food processing. They're attacking the borders. They're attacking the currency. They're attacking us at every level. This is the planned great reset to collapse civilization, to build on its ashes their new world order after a 90% depopulation operation. Now, since that, uh, <clears throat> those broadcasts on July 5, it's been reported that <clears throat> Cremo <clears throat> reportedly <clears throat> has ties with the Democratic Socialists of America. 
and communist Antifa. He supposedly has a <clears throat> a black outfit, um, <clears throat> but that's not just the only thing. I understand that I haven't gotten more information about this yet, but um, that's what they're reporting, <clears throat> as well as the the occult. <clears throat> as you probably heard, <clears throat> Cremo social media has likes of a president, our president Joe Biden, among others, on his on the political left. <clears throat> While the bootlegs and sycophants of the mainstream media won't tell you such things, new revelations have surfaced recently, further demonstrating that Joe Biden is a monster installed in office with a mandate from the left and its allies among our oligarchs to destroy America. These people do not want a country like America with its individual rights and freedoms and the ideal of a free market economy. We'll be discussing in a few moments the, the seemingly incongruous alliance between communists, particularly the Communist Chinese Party, CCP, and our Wall Street and business elites. You may have heard the, or you may have seen on the internet, the Chinese communist professor, that came out last year, relating that the CCP's friends on Wall Street couldn't fix Donald Trump. And so Trump had to go by other means. And the Chinese Communist Party has been implicated in our rigged elections. Uh, We will be discussing in a few moments this, as I said, this incongruous alliance. But as you'll see, this is not in reality so contradictory. And other Wall Street and business elites have for many years supported the the Bolsheviks and the Nazis. These people, when I say have for many years, I mean they did years ago, and now we have new people supporting the CCP in their place. These people are what historian and professor Anthony Sutton referred to as monopoly capitalists, who actually prefer communists and other socialist governments whose government-run economies provide, I believe it's called captive markets, enabling the monopoly capitalists to obtain enormous wealth and power. So much so that they're they're blind to the inevitable consequences, such as World War II and the totalitarian monstrosity that is communist China today. As you probably know, there's plenty of compelling evidence that Joe Biden is badly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, is not all that bright, is losing his faculties, and is horribly corrupt and incompetent. In short, Biden is unfit to hold public office and should never have been allowed to even run for president. As I stated on the last show, it's logical to conclude that we are in the midst of a communist revolution in this country and that Joe Biden was installed in the White House as part of that revolution and the conspiracy that rigged the 2020 election. Unless we can eliminate these rigged elections, the country we have known and loved is lost. While there has been some progress in this regard, we still face a daunting task ahead as we approach the critical midterm elections. I don't get me wrong, despite our desperate circumstances, I am in no way calling for any kind of violence. That's what the left wants you to do, resort to violence and lawlessness and play into their hands by legitimizing their propaganda about the political right. In a recent Secure Freedom Minute podcast, Conservative commentator Frank Gaffney had this to say about one of the Biden revelations I mentioned earlier. 
quote, Joe Biden's policies at home and abroad have two things in common. They are bad for America and they serve the interests of the Communist Chinese Party. It now appears that that's not just two sides of the same coin, but of 20 pieces of silver. For example, we have recently learned that President Biden has not only sold Communist China a million barrels of precious oil from reserves meant to protect our national security. The purchasing conglomerate, Sinopec, is one in which the president's notorious son, Hunter, has had a financial interest, and for which Joe Biden himself may have benefited as well. Joe Biden is not simply grifting, something he appears to have engaged, engaged in throughout his time as in government. He is doing so to the benefit of our mortal enemy and the grave detriment of our nation and his honor. He must go. Close quote. Besides this, there is the recently uncovered recorded phone message from good old Joe to his infamous and equally corrupt son, Hunter, in which Joe Biden tells Hunter that Joe considers Hunter will come up. I think he said clear. You're going to come up clear in a New York Times article about to be published on Hunter's business dealings, thus providing yet another indication that Joe Biden has been lying about not knowing about his son's notorious corrupt business deals, leveraging Joe's political influence, which made Hunter and possibly Joe Biden himself millions. Among the many instances of Joe Biden undoing what Donald Trump established to help the USA are Biden's lifting many of the tariffs Trump imposed on China to help America's, American small business businesses and farmers in the trade war with China. Now, ostensibly to help alleviate the massive inflation Biden and his handlers have caused with their disastrous, nutty socialist policies, Joe Biden is expected to lift the rest of the tariffs on Chinese goods. President Trump had this to say July 5th about the lifting of more of these tariffs. Quote, believe it or not, it is looking more and more like the United States is going to, is getting ready to remove the tariffs on China. This would be a terrible mistake. These, tar these tariffs have brought many billions of dollars to our country and made affected businesses such as steel and steel viable again in the United States. Doing this would be the great gift that China, doing this would be the greatest gift that China could ever receive. Our farmers alone got $28 billion as a gift from me that came directly out of the tariffs because of the way they were abused by China. Taking these tariffs off would be a clear signal that the United States is weak, ineffective, and doing business as usual. Certain senators are fighting hard to get this done, even saying such ridiculous things as it causes inflation, meaning I believe the tariffs he's saying, like, getting back to his quote, those senators should be questioned as to their real motives, end quote. Of course, lifting more tariffs on Chinese goods aids China, but it also improves the profits of the monopoly capitalists, since they have a lot of manufacturing done in China. Here's part of audio from a recent broadcast from Tick History YouTube channel. That's T-I-K History. Tick History YouTube channel. The guy that does it is called Tick. He's a British fellow. And it's regarding these monopoly capitalists we just talked about and discussing the books about this by Professor Sutton. It's titled, Did Wall Street Fund FDR, Hitler, and the Bolsheviks? Question mark. Play soundbite three, please. 
So one of my subscribe star patrons has said, Tick, you are a great researcher. What do you think of Anthony Sutton's trilogy of Wall Street? The author explains perfectly that Wall Street financed the Bolsheviks, the Nazis, and FDR. You should check it out when you can. There are a lot of resources from the State Department, even letters. Well, you're not the only one who's asked about Sutton. Lots of comments in previous videos have told me to check out his books. There was one last week by Nick Hambly, for example, and plenty in the years before that. So, Anthony C. Sutton was a historian in the 1960s and 70s who wrote a load of books, including these most popular ones. Uh, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, Wall Street and FDR, and Wall Street and the Rise of Hitler. I've read them, and I have watched a couple of videos and interviews on or by Anthony Sutton. I'll leave a link to one below. And what I'm going to do here is first explain Sutton's theory, then briefly touch upon the evidence that he provides. We haven't got time to go through it all. And in the process, explain what I think about the whole thing. But I just want to point out that I actually studied the Russian Revolution in college and university, as well as the Great Depression's impact on Britain, Germany and America, including FDR's policies relating to that. I've also done a bit of my own reading since then on those topics, and I'm saying this because I know some of my critics will be quick to dismiss anything I say about these topics because I haven't done a lot of videos on them. And yes, I obviously know more about Hitler and his ideology because this channel has been focused on the Second World War and therefore Hitler, but that doesn't mean I don't have any knowledge of topics outside of that. I will openly admit though that I'm not as knowledgeable on FDR's personal life or his business career, which is what Sutton talks about, but overall I'm not totally in the dark on these subjects and I wanted to point that out before we get into the weeds of it. So, Sutton explains the motivation for a group that he calls the Monopoly Capitalists. He says that they want to use the state to grant them monopoly privileges in order to increase their power and wealth. Old John D. Rockefeller and his 19th century fellow capitalists were convinced of one absolute truth, that no great monetary wealth could be accumulated under the impartial rules of a competitive laissez-faire society. The only sure road to the acquisition of massive wealth was monopoly. Drive out your competitors, reduce competition, eliminate laissez-faire, and above all, get state protection for your industry through compliant politicians and government regulation. This last avenue yields a legal monopoly, and a legal monopoly always leads to wealth. This strategy was detailed in 1906 by Frederick C. Howe in his Confessions of a Monopolist. This is the story of something for nothing, of making the other fellow pay. This making the other fellow pay, of getting something for nothing, explains the lust for franchises, mining rights, tariff privileges, railway control, tax evasions. All these things mean monopoly, and all monopoly is buttoned on legislation. Okay, I don't think anyone would disagree with this so far. I, th I think this is true, and I think many free market guys like myself will agree that monopolies are bad. Plus, the entire socialist left would also agree with this, since that's the whole criticism of capitalism, the idea that it leads to monopolies and the crushing of the workers. They may not understand that the only way monopolies form is through state intervention in the market, the very thing they're calling for. In other words, socialist policies are causing the capitalist monopolies that the socialists don't like. 
yet they keep calling for more socialist policies. But, at the very least, they do agree that capitalism forms monopolies. So, so far, so good. Sutton says that the traditional left versus right political spectrum is bogus. I agree. He says that it's really about people who want individual freedom versus people who want centralized political control. I agree. And he says that because they are monopolists, the state socialists and the monopoly capitalists are actually on the same side. But this alliance is hidden from the common man. Consequently, one barrier to mature understanding of recent history is the notion that all capitalists are the bitter and unswerving enemies of all Marxists and socialists. This erroneous idea originated with Karl Marx and was undoubtedly useful to his purposes. In fact, the idea is nonsense. There has been a continuing, albeit concealed, alliance between international political capitalists and international revolutionary socialists, to their mutual benefit. This alliance has gone unobserved largely because historians, with a few notable exceptions, have an unconscious Marxian bias, and are thus locked into the impossibility of any such alliance existing. The open-minded reader should bear two clues in mind. Monopoly capitalists are the bitter enemies of laissez-faire entrepreneurs, and given the weaknesses of socialist central planning, the totalitarian socialist state is a perfect captive market for monopoly capitalists, if an alliance can be made with the socialist power brokers. So, in a nutshell, his theory is that there is a mutually benefiting partnership between international monopoly capitalists and international revolutionary socialism which has been largely ignored or hidden from view. And yes, given recent events, I could definitely see this being the case. Think about it this way. Why would Jeff Bezos call for a raise in the minimum wage? Wouldn't this hurt his own business? Well, no, because Amazon can afford to pay their workers more. But Jeff Bezos's smaller competitors cannot afford to pay a higher minimum wage, driving them out of business, increasing Amazon's power, and enriching Bezos even more. So not only does this socialist policy help make Bezos even richer, it makes his own employees happier, and he can boast to them about how great and caring he is to the plight of the workers. Never mind all the millions of other workers driven out of their jobs as a result of them raising the minimum wage, isn't Jeff Bezos a great guy? It's the same reason Henry Ford famously paid his workers double the rate of most other workers, and advocated for the five-day week, and pushed anti-Semitism just like Karl Marx. It's the same strategy of driving out competition and forming monopolies. So I can certainly see why monopoly capitalists and monopoly socialists might be in an alliance with one another, considering that such a partnership is mutually beneficial. Profit for the capitalists, financial support for the revolutionaries. A perfect match. Bolshevists and bankers have then this significant common ground, internationalism. Revolution and international finance are not at all inconsistent if the result of revolution is to establish more centralised authority. International finance prefers to deal with central governments. The last thing the banking community wants is laissez-faire economy and decentralised power because these would disperse power. As a supporter of free market economics, this is roughly how I see it too. Whether there's an actual formal alliance between these factions or not, 
or whether their leaders are one and the same, I'm not sure, although I'm open to the idea. However, I do think that the end goal of the socialists and the monopoly capitalists is the same. Total monopolistic power. Totalitarianism. It seems that Tick, later in his broadcast, dismisses what he says was Professor Sutton's idea that Hitler was some kind of pawn of the monopoly capitalists, as it's unimaginable that they would have wanted World War II. Without having read Sutton's books or delved into this whole controversy, it makes a lot of sense to me that it's more like the West monopoly capitalists were pawns of Hitler than the other way around. Sure, these capitalists didn't want to want or even expect that the inevitable result of their funding of Nazi Germany would lead to war. But they were so blind in their greed to get fabulously wealthy, they didn't see that they were causing it. Just like today, our own monopoly capitalists are so blind in their greed to get rich in China that they don't see or care that they have helped this monstrously evil CCP become a political, military, and economic superpower that will eventually devour them. Lastly today, well, moving on anyway, let's, uh, it won't be the end here, we've got quite a bit to cover, but let's talk more about the battles for election integrity going on in this country and the stolen 2020 election that put Joe Biden in the White House. Here's audio from a portion of an interview with election integrity warrior Patrick Byrne, former CEO of Overstock.com, by Emerald Robinson on her program, The Absolute Truth, June 27, on frankspeech.com. It's about the recent admission by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency that there are serious vulnerabilities, they call them, in the electronic voting machines used across the U.S., machines that election integrity warrior Mike Lindell states were made to steal elections and which he maintains were hacked a lot of a lot of of the hacking being done by over 90% by communist china and votes flipped millions of votes flipped from donald trump to joe biden as you will hear burns says these are not these <laughs> these flaws that they're pointing out are not vulnerabilities they are failures which cannot be fixed Byrne notes a fascinating phenomenon with other allegedly rigged elections around the globe in which these electronic voting machines were used, and that that is the sudden stopping of vote counting during elections, after which there is always an outcome favoring those accused of rigging the elections. Sound familiar? Please play sound by four. Saying congratulations for the DHS and CSA for finally reaching an understanding that he himself has known since about October 30th of 2020. Well, welcome, sir, and congratulations. Ms. Robinson, what an honor to be talking with you again. And I know you've covered this, all of this better than any other reporter in America, frankly. You deserve the, the greatest of, you deserve not just a Pulitzer, but for a Nobel for your coverage of this. And it's so much braver than the mainstream. So it's great to be on with you. I appreciate that. And there, you know, there have been some, unfortunately, not enough uh, of my colleagues covering this. But you, I, I remember we talked, I believe, back in November and January uh, in the, the weeks following the election. And what you told me then, Patrick, 
is what they're saying now, all this time later, but trying to downplay in this report. What was your reaction right. to the report? The, re the reaction was, this may as well have been titled, those those crazy people you've been hearing about, Pat Byrne, Lindell, Emerald Robinson, they all turned out to be right. Those crazy people that we said were uh, extremists, they've turned out to be correct. I knew, the thing is, I knew all this on October 30th. I knew this on October 30th, 2020. I had spent the previous two months working on another matter, but I was involved with some cyber people, some cyber people you probably know now. And they started cluing me in about all of this. These were guys, it was just kind of a hobby to them, but evidently among the, the cyber white hack community, or they talking about and investigating these election machines had become quite a thing. And they tuned me into all of this. So all of these nine flaws, and these aren't flaws, these aren't vulnerabilities. These are failure. These are security failures so deep that there are no patches. There, they, if you, re, if you read through this and click through the links and such, all they're doing is they're opening assessments on each of these because there is no way to fix some. It's so, it's so deep in the, in the architecture. So uh, we knew that. And I knew that October 30th. And the thing I was told to look for, they had introduced me to this art of election scandals. And wherever they've occurred over the last 15 years, Iraq and Basra and Fallujah and the Ukraine and the Philippines and Ghana and stuff, it's always accompanied by this one thing. And that is they stop election counting in the middle of the night for a different reason in each place. But they, if you check into it, the Ukraine scandals in 2014, 2015, the, it, it always happens. It happened in, in Iraq in that 08 scandal in the Philippines. And so I knew this stuff on October 30th, and I knew that fact. And then on November 4th, when I woke up and learned that six, I'd gone to sleep early, that six places had been shut down. And what do you know? There were the six places that had extraordinary electoral significance. The whole scheme jumped off the, off the, off the screen to me. And so now it's all turned out to be true. But of course, them being mealy mouth government people are saying, well, we're not saying whether or not these have ever been used. They've gone from saying the most secure election in history to saying there's nine fundamental flaws we can't tell you how to fix. Don't let anyone near the machines or hack into them in the meantime. And what kind of advice is that? And uh, we've, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, it's just, it's gotten so silly, it feels. So it feels nice to be vindicated again. I'm sure it does to you as well. It, it feels nice. I'm sure. Well, you know, I, I again, I, these are things we knew were true. And yes, there's some sense of validation. But I think you and I both are very well aware of the plight of the DC, uh, the, the DC gulag defendants who they were people who were protesting because they believed this election was not secure. And now the government is telling us they know that there's vulnerabilities in these machines. There's questions about elections. Yet these people are so, so many of them are still in pretrial detainment. And so many of them are facing sentencing where they're going to have, you know, prison sentence and, and their families are facing so many repercussions. I know you've been involved with some of the JC, J6 defendants. Should they not as well now be vindicated and released? Yes. Yes. I, well, I would, I would add to this. Not only has the government admitted this has all happened, the Mesa County work of Mr. Donnelly and Dr. Doherty, which I know that you've covered extensively, is it matches this perfectly. So the government is now saying it could happen. Here are nine ways it could happen. And here's the one place they've been able to look at anything. They found it did happen. 
So given that constellation of facts, I think it is inappropriate at this point. It is time to say, look, something happened on J6 that's worth looking into, but the concerns of the rally goers have been vindicated. Maybe not the behavior, but the concerns have been vindicated. Now here's a few minutes of audio from Steve Bannon's War Room program, July 8th wherein he interviews former special assistant to President Trump and Republican strategist Boris Epstein, or Epstein, on recent events in Texas, Arizona, Wisconsin, and elsewhere that signify actions by legislators and others in those states, uh, which show they are rejecting the idea that the 2020 election was secure and legitimate. You may have heard about the Republican organization or the Republican group in Texas said they don't consider Biden a legitimate president anymore. And also, I understand the Maricopa County Republican Commission or something, uh, they have just recently come out and said that they want to, they, they think the uh, electors uh, for Joe Biden are wrong. It, it was incorrect. They, there's been so much fraud in Arizona, as you will shortly learn, uh, hear more about, uh, that uh, they're starting to turn on uh the idea that the 2020 election was ever really the most secure in history or uh, was correct, was accurate, not corrupt. So play soundbite five, please. Uh, Boris, uh, Maricopa County, how important is this? It's absolutely vital, Steve. The Maricopa County issue is vital. It's it, it's huge. It's monumental because it's always signaling that noise for the audience. This is dominoes falling as as we've continued to say to the audience. This is dominoes falling across the country on three November. And by the way, it was unanimous, and that is a major big deal. This was a unanimous decision by the Maricopa County Republicans. The Maricopa accounts for about two-thirds of the votes in uh, in Arizona overall. So now you've got Texas, you've got uh, you've got Arizona. There was a vote in Wisconsin as well, which which went the same way. And you're going to see more and more Tennessee's talk. You're going to see more and more states, counties. Got, okay, but, but hang on. Hang, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. No, 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 no. No 10 seconds here. Hang on. The, 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 you got the counties. And look, Maricopa County, because the Republican Party wasn't with the program, before unanimous, huge. When does Boris Epstein think you start seeing this translate from Republican county commissions, things like important like the state convention in Texas, to things called the state legislatures where there are Republican majorities, sir? Final question. Uh, here's the here's another key part. I'll answer this in two seconds. This these are not resolutions which reject the elections in the states or in the counties. In Texas and in Arizona, and they're rejecting the election as a whole and saying that the whole thing was rigged and stolen. So that is very, very strong and very, and, and very vital. Now, in terms of translating it, the answer is very simple. The more MAGA candidates we elect to state legislatures and to governorship, because governors can call special sessions, the closer we're going to get full rebuke to a full reclaim, to a full decertification of the 2020 election. That's why elections are so vital. You know, Aaron, Missouri both coming up here in just a couple of weeks on, uh, on August 2nd. You got Florida later in August. So it is all about elections, ladies and gentlemen. The, the war room policy, the MAGA movement under the, under the leadership of President Trump, as we put our shoulder to the wheel and elect our candidates and we tell them that, that their raison d'etre, one of their 
top two reasons, three reasons of being elected is to deal with the 2020 election. That is how we're going to get there. Because look at this resolution on the floor in Arizona that was put forward by, by Fincher. Same thing in Wisconsin by Ramthan. Both those resolutions not moving forward because in both cases, you've got Rusty Bowers in Arizona, Robin Voss in Wisconsin, and they're just, they're just giving lip service or really actually just poking a stick in the eye of MAGA and saying, no, we're not going to deal with this. And that is how they're ending their political careers. And that is why MAGA yeah. is ascendant. This, this is why I want to make sure everybody understands. This is why these resolutions are important and they're going to get to the state legislatures. Boris, I want everybody, particularly the mainstream media that, that watches us and they have the producers on here watching it, understand something. We are going to decertify the Biden electors in those six states. We are dedicated to that purpose. Is that correct, Boris Epstein? We have to. This is not about Trump. It's not about President Trump. This is about this republic. We are going to decertify those electors. And, and this is why people say, well, why is Maricopa County the middle? Not? No. This is part of a plan, and we are have our shoulders to the wheel on this 24. If you knew the work that Boris is doing and other people are doing to make sure this is going to go nationwide, those six frontline states, and I think even more. But one is to get the machines out at the local level. That's what they're working on, right, whether it's courts or, machi- or, 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 or these county resolutions. The other is the decertification of the Biden electors. Am I correct there, Boris? No doubt about it. And there really, there's two parts there. One, we know this election was rigged and stolen. It's clear as day that it was rigged and stolen. So there has to be a cure. And as Judge Gableman laid out in Wisconsin, the correct cure is to decertify and to reclaim the electors in each specific states. And I believe that no matter how much that pisses off Shifty Schiff and little, little Jamie Raskin and Benny, T- the, if you look at the Constitution under the Tenth Amendment, under the Due, due Process Clause, and under Article 2, it is the state legislatures yeah. that have the yeah, right to deal with this. It is incumbent yes. upon them to deal with it. And there's precedent for dealing with stolen and rigged elections, and that is to decertify. Well, that sounds encouraging, but we've heard that kind of talk before. Still, there are many great patriots out there now fighting to correct the disaster and coup of 2020 and reclaim our nation. First and foremost is fixing our rigged election. Javon Hutton Pulitzer recently observed that our primary elections were rigged, or mostly, or all, <clears throat> to a greater or lesser extent. <clears throat> we have to fix the electoral process, or we are going, if we are going to save our country and our freedoms. Speaking of rigged elections again, here's audio from Javon Hutton Pulitzer's recently released analysis of what he reports he and his team was widespread election and voter fraud in Arizona's Maricopa County in the 2020 election. He and his team's analysis shows that when what he refers to as, there were a great many of what he refers to as predetermined ballots cast. And when those in the Maricopa County and where those, when those are all eliminated and the legitimate vote is assessed, it shows that Donald Trump in Maricopa County beat Biden by 51 to 40, 59 to 41 percent, respectively. Play soundbite six, please. In order to pioneer the concept of a full forensic audit for use in Maricopa County, Arizona, our team had to develop 25 different auditing and forensic technology programs and techniques which had never existed before. We call this new technology platform Kinematic Artifact Detection. 
Kinematic simply means the motion and physical evidence trail of the physical attributes of an election, such as the original physical ballot voted, but also every aspect of that ballot from the manufacturing of the ballot paper to printing the ballot to folding, sorting, and mailing the ballot, and following it all the way through the mailing process, the return process, the election handling process, and eventual scanning, tallying, and election recording of the votes and reporting the final outcome. We do this down to the individual precinct level. Our technology utilizes computer vision, machine learning, and artificial intelligence systems to conduct a full forensic audit of an election and then report our findings. In the most basic reporting terms, in order to understand and to do a deep forensic audit of the Maricopa County, Arizona general election in 2020, we had to process over 20,895,610 digital and forensic images in multiple formats. We created in excess of 208 million individual evidence proof files. Our systems conducted a base measurement process of over 58 billion forensic measurements and generated over 2 trillion individual base computations. Our finds will be presented in part since we are still deep in an ongoing forensic investigation of the 2020 general election in Maricopa County, Arizona. But this has led us to the initial conclusion of the 2020 general election in Maricopa was not certifiable in any manner. There was gross maladministration of the most egregious, neglectful manner. Not one single aspect of the election could be verified to have been operated according to the exact election rules, standards, and compliance procedures. There were hundreds of thousands of 14th Amendment violations and civil rights violations. There were hundreds of thousands of illegal votes. And at no time was the final outcome as reported repeatedly in the media or by Maricopa County officials themselves in 2020 ever real, truthful, provable, transparent, and most of all, certifiable. There is sufficient and irrefutable evidence of pervasive voter fraud and widespread systemic election fraud in Maricopa County, Arizona. This is our cyber report, which discovered there is a predetermined algorithm running on the machines in Maricopa, approximately 406,972 individual ballots were cast of a predetermined nature and inserted into the 2020 general election. Approximately 406,972 ballots, which were cast in Maricopa County, were of a predetermined origin in order to forcefully manage the outcome of the 2020 general election. These predetermined ballots were not cast in a manner which is both required and determined by law, one voter, one ballot, one vote representation. These predetermined ballots have been verified in a manner which is based upon the use of digital forensics, forensic mathematics, forensic accounting, and rhythm analysis further combined with the aid of computer vision, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. This investigation, after millions of tests, confirmed and revealed the following specifics. 
38% of the mail-in ballots cast for Joe Biden were found to be of a predetermined nature. 33% of the Election Day ballots cast for Donald J. Trump were found to be of a predetermined nature. 59% of the votes, when adjusted by removing the predetermined outcome and revealing the true vote, is found to have been the votes cast for Donald J. Trump. 41% of the votes, when adjusted by removing the predetermined outcome and revealing the true votes, is found to have been cast for Joe Biden. A deeper forensic analysis revealed that 91.62% of the predetermined ballots were cast in the favor of Joe Biden. A predetermined ballot is a ballot that has been decided by a mathematical algorithm and inserted and leads to having to make the paper ballots be created to match the electronic outcome. The use of predetermined algorithms to determine the outcome of the election was used widespread across all Maricopa County, Arizona voting precincts. Pallet Packing Chronology Report for Maricopa County, Arizona. The determination is the boxes were pilfered and opened and reopened over time to either insert or remove ballots. The specifics are as follows. 45 individual pallets of ballots existed, approximately 1,675 boxes. 52 of these boxes were pre-set aside on election day for a hand audit if required. Each box has an average of seven batches of ballots. An average ballot batch is 200 ballots. Each box was found to have been opened and reopened over time. The only boxes not found to be opened or reopened over time were the pre-selected 52 hand audit boxes. The dates in the boxes of the ballots are not consistent with how the ballots were processed. Each pallet had both multiple dates and multiple months of ballots, which is not congruent with how these ballots were processed. 141 individual batches took two days or more to process. The highest or largest batch was 1,393. The average batch was 200 ballots, with the smallest being 46 or 10 ballots, each taking two days to process. The two-day ballot batches comprised 30,122 individual ballots, or just under 2.5 times the margin of the election. 89% of these dual date batches were decided for Joe Biden. Election workers with decades of experience have never seen such dual date batches. We have complete boxes and layers of boxes where one candidate won 100% of the batches, which is not consistent with the ending turnout. 1,394 of the batches were compromised. That's 13.94% of the batches we believe were digitally altered. Our conclusion is the ballots were removed from and added to batches and boxes after the official election dates. They were pilfered in order to make the paper match the digital outcome. The sham Democrat and Rhino orchestrated House House January 6th committee hearings with its Rhino witnesses, Rusty Bowers, Benedict, Bill Barr, Brad Raffensperger, and the rest, can try as they will to distract and deceive the American people into believing the 2020 election was the most secure in history and Joe Biden is legitimate. 
remember, the lie and the trick are part and parcel, modus operandi of the communists and their allies. But more and more of the American people are waking up to the truth. That's it for another show. As always, we hope you found today's content of interest and value. You can listen to a podcast of today's show when it's posted in the next few days on the Jim Benson Show page at bbsradio.com. Look for us again two weeks from today in this same time slot. Have a good rest of your day and evening.